0: Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, hello. Man, this has been a week. So I'm recording on Friday. You're going to get this on Monday. And this today has felt like such a Monday to me. I can't even tell you. Like all the things that have gone wrong, I'm like, is it feels like a Monday? Because usually it's Monday when everything doesn't go quite how you plan. But um, yeah, that's how my day is today. And this week has been kind of just a follow up of the episode that re- was released this last Monday, episode 23. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Um, it's kind of just continued in that vein. I was in LA on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a meeting, which was really fun. And while I was gone, my husband had to go to Washington, D.C. on a business trip. So we had business trips on opposite coasts and a child at home. We've never been in that situation before. And I have to tell you, it made me super nervous. So I've done a decent amount of traveling since Vinny's been born. And my husband's done some trips too, where we've done things separately. But we've only he's only been home without us a couple times. And primarily because we don't have family who can watch him for any extended period of time trust me I have no issue leaving my child Um, but like you know people who have like their in-laws right near them they're in the same town they can get away for like long weekends and stuff and we just don't have people who can do childcare for us for long weekends away so the times that we've done it we've been like an hour from home and anyone we could drive home if there was an issue or whatever so this situation was very different I went to LA for this meeting which has been planned for quite a while my husband got word like last week that he had to go to DC and he came home and just casually was like yeah so I have to go to DC and I was like wait what what I have to go to? I'm going to L.A. Like you can't, we can't both be gone at the same time. And this was a mad dash. Then, of course, to find childcare, we were so fortunate that Vinny's teacher, Miss Erica, who is so sweet, she was able to jump in and save us. And so she ended up coming over and staying. It was just one night. We were had our trips overlapping, but and can can you think of anything better? By the way can you think of anything better for a preschool teacher than to be around small children all day and then to just go home with one of them and have to continue being around preschool kids? So that's what she did, though. She's a martyr of a woman. So (laughs) she came home with Vinny. But what was funny about the whole thing, and I want to know if anyone can relate to this, is when we set out for this week to start, I left Monday morning, and I told Vinny when I dropped him off at school on Monday – I told him, "Mommy has to go to a meeting in California, so I'm going to be gone tonight. Papa's going to pick you up at school. Daddy, we call him Papa. Daddy, same thing. So, Daddy's going to pick you up at school." And then I didn't really address anything beyond that because I was like, "I know if I tell him that Daddy's going on a trip tomorrow and Miss Erica's coming over, that like that's too big of a time frame. He's not going to get it. He's going to totally flip out and be scared and anxious and whatever. And he gets very nervous about us leaving. And even oftentimes when I say that." dad's going to pick him up from school. He gets nervous just about that. Like this is a kid who likes his routine, much like his mother. So I didn't want to give him too much information. So I just told him that I was leaving town. And then the plan was on Tuesday morning, Vince would say, okay, Papa has to go on a trip for work. So tonight, Miss Erica is going to bring you home and stay at the house and babysit. And she's going to sleep here. And he would kind of prep him for that. So it'd be at least on the same, telling him on the same day that it was going to happen, which seems like a more reasonable timeframe to give him all this information. So I wake up in L.A. on Tuesday morning and start doing the very helpful motherly things that moms do, test sending my husband like 500 text messages about of reminders of things. So like, don't forget to give Vinny his ointment because he has this rash. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Make sure you make an extra lunch so Erica doesn't have to make lunch. we're like all these things. I'm like texting him like every 30 seconds, like one more thing, which we all know that husbands love that, right? So I send him all these texts between like 7, 8 a.m. And then I say something along the lines of like, let me know how it goes when you tell him about Erica coming over. And he's like, okay, okay. And so then he texts me and he's like, is it bike day at school? Of course, I forgot. In my millions of texts, I forget to tell him that it was bike day. So I text. I'm like, yes, it's bike day. Take the bike. He's like, oh, he's having a fit about the bike. And he's insisting. I'm like, yes, it's bike day. Take the bike. So they get over to school. Vince has forgotten the bike. So he has to come home and get the bike. And then he goes back and he has to give. And I'm like, make sure you give Erica. I'm texting. Make sure you give Erica the house key so that they can get in the house after school and sleep here. And so, and by the way, we live across the street from the, our school. So if that wasn't obvious already. So he um goes back to take the bike and at that time gives Miss Erica the key. And then he tells Miss Erica, he sees Miss Erica like in passing in the hall or the parking lot or something after he's already said goodbye to Vinny. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I forgot to tell Vinny that um that I'm leaving. So and Erica, she's like, don't worry, I got it. It's fine. And I think it probably all worked out for the best. But when he told me, so I'm texting him back and forth all morning, like, have you told him how did it go? And then he was about to get on a plane. So by the time we actually got to talk, it was like 1 30 in the afternoon or something. So I get him on the phone. I'm like, hey, and like, it's all I've been thinking about all day. Like my phone is like on in my meeting so that in case something bad happens and Vinny loses his mind that Miss Erica is going to come over, like I'll know about it. So I call him and we get on the phone and I'm like, hey, how did it go when you told him Miss Erica is coming over tonight? And he's like, oh, I forgot to tell him and i was like what like i thought like he had to be kidding I'm, like this is all i've thought about for 10 days now is like oh my gosh how are we going to manage this whole transition with both of us out of town and i've been totally worried about it and then he forgot and i'm like i don't understand how you would forget that like this is the biggest thing i think that like we've ever done like we've never flown you know been on separate trips and left our kid at home before you forgot to tell the child this and then i'm like how did you you gave her the key How were you not prompted when you gave her the key to remember to tell the child that like I'm giving Miss Erica the key because I'm not coming home tonight? So I kind of was losing my mind, but trying to be like very patient and supportive. And I could tell he felt really bad. He's like, you know, it was just a really chaotic morning and the whole thing with the bike and I forgot the bike and I had to go home and get it and blah, blah, blah. And so... And I'm thinking like, welcome to every morning of my life. But which he said, he's like, I know you do this every morning. I know it's not that big of a deal, but it was just really chaotic. And and I totally get it when it's out of his routine. Like my routine feels chaotic to him because it's not his daily routine. I totally get that. So I'm not trying to like throw a ton of shade here on the husband. But I was definitely rolling my eyes a little bit. And also just I couldn't relate. I'm like, I've been so worried about how he's going to manage the situation. And then you just like forgot to tell him this really significant thing. I don't understand that. And so I'm in this meeting with all these other mostly men and I'm like asking them, I'm like, if you had a trip with and your husband, you know, your wife was going somewhere else and like, would you forget to tell your child? And they're all laughing at me thinking I'm being super neurotic. So as it turned out, Vinny's teacher, Miss Erica, told him midday that like she was going to come over and he was totally fine with it. And they had a great time together and it all completely worked out. And you know, it honestly, there would have been a lot more drama around the whole thing if I or my husband had been the ones to break the news. So it probably all worked out for the best. But I just have to say, like, isn't it kind of funny that the things that moms stress out about so much that dads are just like, oh, yeah, I just I just forgot about that thing. I'm thinking like, I'm losing sleep over this and you're just forgetting, just casually forgetting about it. So had to share that with you before we get started with today. And it also actually kind of relates to today's topic. So today we're going to talk about why perfect sucks. I have given up perfection, like I gave it up a long time ago, but I have to say perfection was such a big part of my life for so long. And Sometimes I wish I could get a little bit of it back because sometimes in a state of fatigue and exhaustion, I'm just like, oh, whatever, just do it any old way, which is so like not my old MO. So historically, I was the kid who like if I would get A's on everything, total straight A student. And if there was ever the opportunity for extra credit, I would do it. And I was also the kid who would like ask for extra, extra credit, like maybe suggesting like raising my hand like, oh, could we do extra math homework for bonus points? Like I was totally that kid. I know. Kind of embarrassing. So as an adult, I don't ask for extra credit anymore. Like my plate is plenty full. Thank you. But it's interesting to look back at like how my personality used to be so type A and so on top of things and wanted to have everything dialed in so perfectly. And that actually held me back from a lot of things. I used to not do things and I'm definitely this way to some extent still, but I never wanted to do things that I wasn't really good at. And then and, and if I didn't know for sure if I was going to be good at them, I wouldn't do them. I wouldn't try them. I did not try a lot of things growing up because I didn't want to fail at something. And so, I was the kind of kid who like I knew I was good at math. I was good at school. Like I'm just going to do that because I can do that well. I didn't play sports and because I didn't grow I didn't play sports when I was really young. I didn't want to play sports when I was a little older because I was afraid I would fail miserably. And so I just didn't even want to try. I always felt very self-conscious about that kinds of those kinds of things. And so that's definitely hindered me and it's hindered my ability to like leap into new things like that is very uncomfortable to me. And I always want to have like all the information before I make decisions and I want to like have it all lined up and do a lot of fact finding beforehand. And I actually recently did this test called the Colby test and I'm like totally um, on the fact finder scale. I'm like all fact finder and like organizing systems like that's totally right up my alley. But what I have let go of over the years is having to be perfect as I implement things because I know that I will never get anywhere if I'm struggling and striving for perfection all the time. And what I've learned is that in reality, the perfect things are really very imperfect in nature. And so if you look at, for example, something like a perfect, quote unquote, perfect diet. So a perfect diet, we think like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm giving some examples of things I hear. These are not things that I adhere to or suggest to others, but things that I hear like, I'm not going to have any more sugar, you know, May 1st, I'm stopping all sugar or I'm not going to drink anymore or I'm going to cut out coffee or it's this very black and white situation. Like after New Year's, I'm, you know, no more carbs and things like that, where we make these very black and white statements. Same thing with exercise. Like for me, when I first started running, which was a secret project when my, I was probably like 18, I think. And I would I would try to run every single day and every single day I would try to run further and faster than the day before, which is a recipe for pure misery when it comes to running, by the way. But this is what I would do. And I, at one point I like had run like 42 days in a row or something. Okay. Can, please do not ever run 42 days in a row. Your body is not going to like it. You're not going to like it. You're going to hate it. You're going to totally burn yourself out. And you will actually regress as you do that because your body will get no recovery. So this like perfect model of running for 42 days straight was actually horrible. It was not, it didn't, I got no gains from it because by the end I was actually slower because I was breaking down so much over the process. And the same thing when you look at something like, I'm going to give up sugar, I'm going to give up alcohol, or I'm going to give up coffee, or any of these things that we get very black and white about, what ends up happening is you can give them up for a certain period of time, but then when you go back to them, you go in like hardcore, which is why many people with weight loss, you'll say you'll see people who will lose like 10, 20, 30 pounds, but then they'll gain back like 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. And you see these big swings with weight loss where you gain back more than you lost to begin with because you go from this place of being so trying to keep it so perfectly dialed in that when you let go even just a little bit, like the floodgates open. It's like the fire hose syndrome, like the fire hose is on and like just spray me with all the sugar, all the alcohol, all the carbs, all the Coffee with like extra creamer and extra French vanilla syrupy everything and extra whipped cream, like all of that stuff. So we end up sabotaging ourselves when sabotaging ourselves when we seek than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, I swear it's like, Understood explains, and it will pop right up, click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And what happens then is that nothing can ever be perfect. Nothing, is ever, nothing ever ultimately goes in the direction we want it to go in. And so true perfection really is quite imperfect. And what I talk to my clients about is like, if you're looking for the perfect diet, look at what can you do 80 to 90% of the time. 10 to 20% of the time, eat the freaking French fries, have a milkshake, drink the wine, have the cake, like all those things. That's part of a quote unquote perfect plan. Having planned indulgences will get you to where you want to be and let you stay there much more so than something that is so rigid and so structured with no flexibility like that, you can never maintain it or that if you do maintain it, you'll be miserable when you get there. Like, yes, you can probably meet a weight loss goal with those really rigid specifications, but you're going to be cranky and crazy and no one's going to want to be around you. And I can tell you, I've been there. Like I've been the person who goes out to eat with people and says things like, well, oh, I'm not eating tonight because I'm on a cleanse. Like who wants to go to a restaurant with someone who's not going to eat because they're on a cleanse? Like, please just stop being my friend right now because life is too short So I'm not saying like, well, actually I am saying don't do cleanses because cleanses I think are pretty stupid for the most part. Like your body is naturally made to cleanse itself by just eating healthy, making healthy food choices, your body and your liver will naturally cleanse. So you don't need to do detoxes and cleanses and those kinds of things. But look at like how your lifestyle is impacted if you are going out to eat with people and you're like, I'm not going to eat tonight because I'm on a cleanse. And I can tell you I've been that person and I've been with people who do that it's no fun for anyone. Like it's no fun to be that person. And it's super annoying to be on the other side of that. Like, seriously, I'm going to sit here and eat my dinner while you're just going to like sip your lemon water and pretend you're super full of joy when we all know you're not. So when we're looking at these things that we do trying to be perfect, it's generally not getting us to a place that's sustainable or happy or filled with joy. So you have to look at the model that has enough flexibility in it that you can sustain it and the other thing with that is that in order to when you're always when you're striving to hit 100% you feel like a failure if you only get to 50% or 60% or 70%. But if you look at it and think like let's take the running example. Like if i say i want to run for 42 days straight and then i only make it for 37 days, like i failed, right? What if i just say like i want to start running three or four days a week or I want to start running you know x amount of days per month or I want to start like there's some room for flexibility in there like it doesn't have to be super super specific then it there's some wiggle room in there and what I do hit is better than if I didn't start anything at all. So if I say like I'm gonna start running three to four days a week and then I actually get in three runs that week, I'm successful even if I get in just two runs, I've still, been more successful than if I got in zero runs. So what happens is if you're always aiming for that 100% and you only hit 50%, you feel like a failure. So I'm not saying like, don't aim high, aim high, but give yourself credit for everything that you do within that. So instead of letting yourself be a failure at 50% or letting yourself be a failure at even 80%, acknowledge like I'm in to aim for hundred percent, but if i hit anywhere from like 70 to 100%, that's a big win. Even if you just hit 50%, that's 50% that you more than you would have done if you didn't even set out on the goal to begin with. So you have to really look at setting yourself up to just move forward rather than putting a lot of parameters around the ideal of where you're going to land. And you know, i look at this with weight loss with my clients. People come in and they say and you know, i'm going to sign up for this 4-week program and in 4 weeks i want to lose 20 pounds. And then they come in and people will come in at the end of the program and have lost two dress sizes and fit into their gold jeans and like all these things, they'll be in amazing shape. And they'll be like, oh, but I only lost nine pounds. I'm Like, does it matter if you lost nine pounds versus 20 pounds, but you fit into the jeans that you wanted to wear at the beginning of the program? That's a huge win. So you have to look at what are the wins and take move away from what you think the ideal or perfect outcome is and instead look at here's the outcome and what can I celebrate within that? And so then when you do that, you take perfection out of the equation. I know that for me, when I, one of the biggest lessons I learned in having a business coach was done is better than perfect. So something that I had to do when I first started, I've had multiple blogs now, but one of the things I had to start doing when I started blogging was get really comfortable just hitting that publish button because I would sit and like agonize over writing paragraphs or sentences and trying to structure things in a certain way and add more things in and make it better and constantly edit it and have other people edit it. And I could never just get to a point where being like, this is good enough. And what happened over time is I ended up having my mentors help me set some goals that were like, in the next three months, you need to publish X amount of blog posts. And then I just had to start publishing them. And I didn't have time to be super particular about them. So things even had to go out. This was like my huge thing at the time. One of my mentors is a horrible speller and I used to give him so much crap. And I would say like, you always have typos in your emails and I can't handle it. And I was like, I'm not sending myself out with typos. But then what I found was that I had to send out enough volume to meet these goals with my mentors because they had some expectations of me. And it's like hitting a deadline with a publisher, right? So I was like, I have to send out X amount of blog posts in the next 12 weeks. And that means I don't have the time to make sure that every single one is Perfect, perfect, perfect. So I edited everything, but there was definitely typos here and there. And I actually even had a conversation with someone about the typos. And she's like, we were just laughing about typos in general, in some super nerdy conversation context. And I said, yeah, I know I have typos in my stuff. And she's like, oh yeah, I've seen a few. And of course, like immediately I was like, what? Like she's noticed them. Oh my gosh, I have to go edit everything. But then I was like, you know what? If I wasn't okay with those typos. I would have never hit that goal of getting all those posts out within the twelve week period. And so, in order to meet my goals, I had to take imperfect action. And taking imperfect action allows me to get things done. and done is better than perfect because now, over the course of time, I had all these blog posts done and all this information published, which allowed me to create a product that I then could have a product launch. And then when I had a product launch, I could actually start making money with a new business, and I should it could actually be like a thing. Instead of just a dream or instead of just a wish, instead of just a goal, I was actually moving forward and building momentum. So I had to get away from this idea that anything had to be perfect. I just had to get things done. And then I learned, I totally learned about having things perfect. And I learned through the course of just like hammering out a bunch of writing what worked well for me that was really significant and it's the same thing you know with whether it's writing or whether it's nutrition you have to just like hammer through it and be focused on done is better than perfect i'm going to do the very best i can this week and some days that's going to be amazing and other days it's going to be pitiful but i'm always going to move forward and i'm always going to try just as hard on day 1 and day 2 and day 3 And then when I get to day 10, I'm still trying just as hard. I'm not always going to hit the mark. There's going to be days where I'm sick. There's going to be days where my kid's sick. There's going to be days that the dog's pooping all over the house, but you just keep moving forward being okay with like today I hit 70%. Tomorrow I might hit 50%, but I know that there's another day coming up where I'm going to hit like 95% and that's going to be amazing. And maybe there will be that day where I hit 100%. So you have to just keep moving forward with that. In addition to that, you're also going to find that you won't get stuck because what happens when you are seeking perfection is that you can't take action. You won't. You don't hit publish until you think something's perfect. Or for me with this podcast, like I used to much more frequently, I still do it every now and then, I'm not going to lie. But in the beginning, I would often re-record an entire episode. I would get done recording and think like, oh, there's all these other things I meant to say and I didn't say them. So I'm going to go back and redo the whole thing. And now I don't do that. I just... Whatever comes out, comes out, and we're going to be done with that and call it good and move forward. And that allows me to actually perfect things as I go. It allows me to take, I actually take a lot better notes now before I start recording so that I make sure I have a really good bullet list of everything I want to hit upon. And it also lets me walk away from an episode and be very open to whatever the next episode is, rather than hemming and hawing over the past episode, which keeps me stuck, right? And I don't want to be stuck on the past episode. That's done. I want to move on to the next episode. So when I think about done being better than perfect, I say, okay, I'm done with this, and now I'm moving on. And I'm always moving forward that way. With, when I wait for something to be perfect, I just get stuck, and I can't move forward. So if you're wor- waiting for something to be perfect, you're not going to have momentum behind you. You're not going to have action behind you. You're just going to be sitting in that same place either not doing anything or spinning your wheels. Like for me to re-record the same episode 13 times, which I could totally do, it doesn't get better every time. It actually, there's the point of diminishing returns. It actually gets worse over time. And that's very true with many things. I mean, if you think about an athlete, like let's say I'm going to go to a track and I'm going to run as, you know one lap as fast as I can. If I try to do that 13 times in a row, I'm going to get totally fatigued and burned out. That is very much an analogy for other things that we do in our life. Don't try to do it over and over and over to make it perfect. Do the best you can in the first one, two, three tries and then move on and move forward and be okay with like that might not have been perfect and I can learn from that. I can learn from that not being amazing and that way I can be more amazing in the next thing I do rather than going back and fixing the old thing. Like make the next thing way better and put all your energy and passion into that. Such a better way to look at things. The other thing about perfection and looking at perfection is you get stuck in analysis paralysis. So this, I have to give this example because it hinders me in everything I do on Amazon now. So we live in Seattle, the king of, or the the land of Amazon, and we have Amazon Prime here, which most of you probably have um, in the States. We also have Amazon now where you can have Amazon deliver things to your house within an hour. So what has happened since Vinny's been born, I did not use Amazon Prime before I had a child. And now Vinny, you know, it was like the day he was born, I started using Amazon Prime and now I use it all the time. And some of you have heard me talk about in other episodes, like the first time I used Amazon, I was joking, like, who needs something delivered in an hour? Who is really that impatient? And then one day I got my period while Vinny was napping and I didn't have tampons. And I was like, oh, and this is why we have Amazon now. I need tampons delivered to my house within an hour. And I will tell you that that has happened on more than one occasion now. <laughs> so we use Amazon Prime, though, all the time, which is two day delivery from Amazon's warehouse. And so I used it once he was born because I'm stuck home with a newborn and Like we all know I had all these nursing issues and all these, nursing was disastrous for me and literally like I barely got dressed most days for four months. And like my doctor told me not to wear a bra because I kept getting all these infections and I really seriously like could not get dressed and barely left the house. And so I had everything delivered from Amazon and I would get totally stuck in analysis paralysis because here's the thing about Amazon. I love that they deliver for things quickly and I love that they have such a vast variety of things to choose from but they have reviews on everything. So I would be trying to figure out, like I would be trying to order something like a bottle or a pacifier or a blanket or a freaking a onesie, like anything. I remember like ordering diapers and they were out of like a certain size. So I had to get a different brand and I'm reading all these reviews on diapers and I couldn't decide. The thing about reading these reviews is there's so many, it's like hundreds and hundreds of reviews on Pampers nighttime diapers versus Huggies nighttime, nighttime diapers And I am so caught up in reading these reviews that I can't make a decision. So then I just like don't buy diapers.
2: I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy.
0: And all of a sudden it's nighttime and I need the diapers and I'm like, oh crap, I didn't actually buy the diapers because I couldn't decide because I was reading these reviews and I got so paralyzed in analyzing all of this that I couldn't actually make a decision. So what happens with perfection is that we get stuck in analysis paralysis. We get stuck at looking at something and we can't make a decision to move forward because we want to make the best decision. And so this happened with me with like a binky or a, a bottle or whatever with me, like, well, I want to make sure I get the best one. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want them to send me the wrong one. And then I have to wait two more days to get a different one. And so I would read like every single review on everything and get stuck. I told my husband like there's certain things I can't order on Amazon because I'll get so caught up in the reviews that I won't make, be able to make a choice. And so we joke about it now. Like, Don't ask me to order certain things because I can only order things I've ordered before because I know what I like. And so that's where you get caught up in analysis paralysis and you end up not being able to move forward because you're just stuck analyzing things over and over and over and not being able to decide which direction to go. So at some point you just have to decide. You just have to like take that flying leap. And I talked about In episode nine, I talk about how to take a flying leap. That's a perfect example of like at some point you have to take a flying leap. You just take a step and it doesn't matter if it's the best step or the right step. You take a step and you learn and you figure it out. So you just have to take a step. And when you're looking at perfection, you get stuck spinning your wheels and you don't take any steps and then you can't learn and you can't actually progress. So you have to take steps forward. So you can't be aiming for perfect. You just have to be aiming for movement, forward action, those kinds of things. The other thing with perfect is that we let good be the enemy of perfect. And this happens all the time with my transformation clients. So, locally here at the gym, we do these programs and I'll give people a plan and I'll say, okay, here's a great plan. If you're going to eat at a restaurant, here's what you should do find, you know, a grilled chicken and find some roasted vegetables or whatever on the menu and then have that. And people will email me afterwards or send me a Facebook message and they'll say, I totally screwed up. I went to the restaurant and I didn't do what you said and they didn't have X, Y, or Z. They didn't have the things you recommended. So instead I got like fried chicken and I completely failed. And, you know, but I still, I didn't get French fries and I still, I got a salad on the side, but I still got the fried chicken. So like, I know I totally screwed up. You didn't totally screw up. Like if you made a better choice than you normally make at a restaurant, that is progress. That's amazing. That's a really good thing. That's positive. So we let good be the enemy of perfect by saying, I didn't make the perfect choice in this situation. I only made a good choice. I only did a little bit better than yesterday, so that doesn't really count. Oh my gosh, please don't make good the enemy of perfect. Like be okay with things being just good. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be amazing. Not everything has to be like the best of the best of the best that you've ever done. Be okay with like sometimes good is good enough. Good is positive, right? Like, good is a lot better than bad. So, don't get so caught up in things being perfect that you can't see the good and you can't see the progress. This happens a lot where people will say, like, you know, I couldn't come to boot camp class today because my knee hurt. So, I just went for a walk, and that doesn't really count. Yes, it does. It totally counts. You got up and you moved. You got in 3,000 steps or 5,000 steps or 10,000 steps or whatever. That still counts. That's still really good. That's a lot better than sitting on the couch eating ice cream, right? So don't let good be the enemy of perfect and catch yourself. Like, I promise you, you do this because we all do this. It's a human nature thing. And I also think it's a woman thing. Catch yourself doing it. Like, I want to know the next time you're like, oh, my gosh, I just did it. I just let good be the enemy of perfect because dudes don't do that. Dudes are just like, yeah, that's good enough. (laughs) And Women are the we are the ones that are like, well, that wasn't good enough because I got the fried chicken and I accidentally ate. I ate three French fries and I said I wasn't going to eat any French fries like three French fries. A million times better than a million French fries, right? So, don't let good be the enemy of perfect. So, the last piece of this is the perspective of practice and progress versus perfect. And so, the the analogy I like to use for this is with yoga. I used to do a lot of hot yoga. Um, I did it for a number of years, and I was really into it. And I used to, I was a very perfectionistic kind of person when I started yoga. And I actually, like they say, when you go into yoga, they're like, you're not here to compete with anyone. And I was like, totally the person who was like looking around the room like, oh, who's the most bendy person in here? I want to beat them, which you're not supposed to try to beat bendy people in yoga. It's not politically correct at all. But I was totally that person. And I would stay in the back of the room so that I could see everyone and like totally be like the creeper. What I found is as I got better in yoga, like I had no time or focus for anyone else. I was totally obsessed with myself and I would be in the front row where I could see myself. I'd be like in the front corner of the mirrored room so I could see myself in the front mirror and like the mirror right next to me on the side. Completely narcissistic, I know. So, what I found over time was that I could not focus on anyone else. I couldn't be staring down other people, like comparing myself to them. But what I learned in yoga, Was that it was always about practice. It was never about, like, there's never a final destination in yoga. There's never like, oh, today you did the perfect pose. It was always just like, this is what you did today in your practice. And maybe it was progress from yesterday, maybe it wasn't. Like, it was all very neutral, very objective, which made me crazy because I wanted every day to be better than the day before. And I wanted every day, like, to get a little, you know, I was, I'm really bad at forward bending, but I can do good. I'm good at backward bending, so I was always like I always wanted to do all the backward bending stuff more because I was already good at it and I hated the forward bending stuff. That's why I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to just take a water break right now in <laughs> the forward bending cuz I'm really bad at this." So I'm just going to take a water break. But the teachers always talked about the idea of practice. You have to be looking at practice. This is never about a destination. It's never about perfection. It's never about arriving. Like you never arrive in yoga. Every day you're just there to receive yourself as you are. And that's what you're you want to have your perf- your uh, perspective about perfection being is like, you're never looking to get to a final place. You're always just looking at like, how can I do my best today? W- and what do I have to give? And it might be the same as yesterday. It might be totally different than yesterday. It might be better. It might be worse. And that's all very objective. That doesn't mean to need to be a, a judgment on where you are. That can be very neutral. So today my exercise was less intense than yesterday. I lifted less weights. I ran less distance. I ran with less speed, whatever. Totally fine. That's just where I'm at today. Or maybe it's way better. And also like no need to have like a huge celebration if it was way better. That doesn't mean like I'm a better person in life. It just means that today I was in a better place. Maybe I got more sleep or fueled myself better. And that's great. But that doesn't mean that like, oh, I've arrived and now I'm here. It just means that today I have improved upon yesterday, which is, you know, it's neither here nor there because tomorrow might not be the same. And I don't mean to never celebrate victories. I think that you should, but also keep it like all very objective and very neutral because you don't want to get in the habit of pract- of celebrating the the positive things so much to such an extent that you put yourself down when things don't move forward because that's going to happen a lot. So you're just looking at everything from this perspective of like, today I'm practicing and I'm going to see what happens. And so that doesn't mean I'm not going to work my bu- my buns off. I'm going to work hard. Like if I'm practicing for me right now, like I'm not having coffee. I'm not having gluten. I'm doing the best I can every day. So three days in a row this week I didn't have gluten. Yesterday I was at Trader Joe's, and I'm by the way I'm not having gluten because I'm working with a nutritionist on this reactive hypoglycemia thing. I do not at all think that everyone needs to eliminate gluten. I'm eliminating gluten. I hate eliminating gluten. I've done it before. I know it's what my body prefers, but I hate doing it. But because I'm following my doctor's orders, I'm eliminating gluten just to see how that assists with my some of my blood sugar things. So I met Trader Joe's yesterday. We walked past the sample thing and they have this like carrot, ginger, banana bread, something or other. And I just like, and Vinny was with me and he was starving and I was starving. I just popped it in my mouth. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I just did that. I just ate the gluten <laughs> after not having it for three days. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm such a bad person. I just failed. Now I have to start all over. No, it was just like, oh, I just did that without thinking about it and whatever. By the way, I felt horrible afterwards. Like one little bite, I had like a hangover for three hours. So there's that. I was very upset about that because it was like, oh, the nutritionist is right. I shouldn't be eating the gluten. Damn it. So anyways, there's that whole piece. So what you want to be considering is not judging the steps, not judging your outcome. Being okay with what it is either way. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go with that. I hope that this was helpful to you. I want you to know that perfect sucks. The people who you see, who you think have these picture-perfect lives, everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about, and you have to remind yourself that. We think that we see people living picture-perfect lives, and it never is picture-perfect. The people that in my life who lead the most picture-perfect lives are the people that have some of the biggest struggles. And these are like close friends of mine who live very amazing lives, but behind closed doors have really tremendous things that they're going through. And then on the flip side of that is like you can be an open mess and that's okay. And it, it's neither here nor there. So the moral of the story is perfect kind of sucks. Perfect is not what it's cracked up to be. Perfect keeps you paralyzed. Perfect keeps you stuck. Perfect doesn't let you move forward. And when you look at other people and you look at something that seems picture perfect to you, know that it never is. Everyone is just practicing their best every day. There's that great saying that I've mentioned before, everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. So that when you look at someone who has this seemingly perfect life, they don't. I promise you they don't. And the older I get, the more I see this just driven home in such big ways no one's life is perfect. It's easy to look upon someone else's life and be like, oh, but they have the perfect life and they do everything perfectly. No, they don't. I promise you they don't. I promise behind closed doors, there's pain and heartache in their life just like there is in in yours. You know, everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. Everyone poops. Everyone has their messes. So don't be afraid to be imperfect and don't be afraid to take imperfect action because the only way you move forward is by taking imperfect action. You will do more than you ever imagined possible in your life if you take imperfect action all the time. You will get so much further taking imperfect action all the time than if you wait to be perfect with everything that you will outdo what you ever imagined you could do in a lifetime. As a mom, as a business owner, as a corporate employee, whatever your position is, you will do more than you ever thought possible if you can just step away from perfection and start taking imperfect action as regularly as possible. So I'm going to leave you with that. With your new practice of being imperfect. You have permission now, right? Yay! No one has to be perfect. We can be kind of messy in our lives. So let's be messy together. And of course, let's be shameless in everything that we do, good, bad, or otherwise. So if this episode has been helpful to you, please make sure to share it with other people. If this is the first time you've listened to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that you can find us here every Monday and Wednesday. Please subscribe so that you can get all of our episodes as soon as they are released every Monday and Wednesday. And as always, we love to get your reviews. So you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, make sure that you come and visit us over at shamelessmom.com. You can see all of our episodes that we have up with different pictures. Last week I posted Vinny's artwork. So <laughs> all sorts of fun pictures and lots of fun information. And that's where you can connect with me. So you can connect with me at shamelessmom.com. You can email me at info at And then you can find us on social media at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or on Facebook. So I can't wait to connect with you. Have a fabulous day. And no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly.